your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a special crossover edition of Locked On Wild and Locked On Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, hockey fans. You need more hockey news? Locked on NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the NHL. You can subscribe and listen every day for a quick look at the biggest stories happening around the league. Subscribe to Locked on NHL today wherever you get podcasts. On today's special crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins, Seth and Hunter go back and forth about the offseason for both the Wild and the Penguins. Favorite moves, least favorite moves, and so on and so forth. They will also discuss where each team sets up in their divisions heading into 2021-2022. My name is Seth Topol, host of Locked on Wild, veteran of 10-plus years of Minnesota sports coverage, including the last couple of seasons, exclusively covering the Minnesota Wild. And I'm joined by the host of Locked on Penguins, Hunter Hodes. Hunter, man, how's it going? Not too bad, man. You know, we've really reached the dog days of summer now, especially with the off season. So um, it'll be pretty quiet, I would assume. Um, there's not a lot of free agents left to sign. Maybe you'll see some trades in August, most likely not, um, before it probably kicks up again in September when training camp rolls around. So uh, we, we got a long way to go. Uh, so next season, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you know, as uh, the Wilds still maybe not super linked to Jack Eichel, that's one domino that could still fall here this off season. But you know, that's that's the thing that I guess I get to kind of chase around uh, until the season starts. Uh, don't even get me started on that. Um, let's just discuss the Penguins to start. And uh, a lot of moves for uh, for Pittsburgh coming off of uh, a pretty successful season, although just kind of ran into a buzzsaw in the uh, New York Islanders in the playoffs. So let's just look, Hunter, at some of the moves made in free agency, and uh, I'll just run through a couple of, uh, of categories and have you just give me the move, the signing, or the trade that, uh, that you think fits in uh, to that category. We'll start with best move of the offseason for the Penguins. Hunter, which one would that be? Okay, so I just had Brock McGinn on my show. Um, if anyone, go, go, go listen to that if you have not. Um, great interview with him. He's going to be great, I think, on this team. So um, if I don't say him, I think he's probably never going to come on Lockdown <laughs> Penguins ever again. Um, but, you know, that being said, it, it's really close because I really like the Danton Heinen signing as well. I really think that, you know, he could be the McCann – Part of the McCann replacement that not a lot of people uh, saw coming. If you know, people remember, you go back a few years when he was with Boston. This was a player who averaged over half a point per game, and for a couple seasons, um, I think his high total in points for counting stats was forty-seven. His underlying numbers were pretty good. And then, you know, everyone's been wondering, you know, why hasn't he been good? I mean, you know, poor JD, who obviously covers the Anaheim Ducks, that team it was just been so bad the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. according to natural stat trick, he played his most common line mates last year were Jakob Silverberg, who I think is aging like milk at this point, And Adam Henrique, <laughs> who 
is not bad, but he's not what he used to be with New Jersey. So right. you put him on a line with McGinn, Jeff Carter. You can want to put him on the second line with Malkin potentially not being ready for the start of the season. I think he could do some damage. So I think for overall best moves, I, I think that's the best one. I'm sorry, Brock, if you don't ever want to come on the show, I totally understand that. But it's really close. I think both of them were really solid signings. I'm not really sure if they're um, – if you think about it with McCann and Tanev for McGinn and Heinen, I'm not really sure it's a flat out upgrade for the team. I think at best it's two lateral moves that you're just, you're filling those voids the best you can. And also you you'll have time to potentially make a trade during the season. If you feel like your forward depth is not good enough. I think right now they are still lacking another really good forward on this lineup. I, I personally think Jared McCann is a really good player. His underlying numbers prove that he was great on the power play, great defensively. Um, you can put him in any situation and he would just be awesome. You know, he, he just had a great season last year. I'm, I'm still kind of upset that they did give him away for nothing. They should have protected him, but you know, um, that did not happen. Um, but in terms of, you know, I, I have a move off the ice. Um, you know, it's honestly a move that it was, it didn't involve a roster player as they, uh, took out the goalie coach and promoted the guy from Wilkesbury and Andy uh, Chiodo. Um, I f- totally forgot that he used to play on the Penguins before Sidney Crosby was here. So those 03-04, he was one of the goalies on the 03-04 team and oh. before that. So he was he was trying to steal games the best he could when that roster, uh, their their best player was Rico Fodder. So um, they we had a lot of that to uh, chew on for a little bit. But, but um, that was also good, but I think in terms of the best move roster-wise, um, to sum up the, all these long thoughts here, um, I will say it's Stanton Heinen. Okay. Um, now let's and you you may have tipped your hands to this one. Let's let's go to the head scratcher, the move, and this could include the expansion draft as well. Um, anything that kind of has led up to this point, the move or moves in which you just kind of took the news in and were like, huh, I don't really get that one. Um, were there uh, were there one or two for the Penguins that fit into that category? I think, yeah, I mean, the McCann move for a bit, you know, it, it didn't make a lot of sense at the time. It still kind of doesn't because you kind of just gave away a half a point per game player for no reason. I know Ron Hextall said when he made the trade, like, you know, we weren't going to protect him. We didn't want to lose him for nothing. But then it's like, you have the big four forwards, obviously. He should have been next in line to be protected. You protect Kasperi Kapanen, and then you choose whoever else you want to protect, if that's Jeff Carter. Because then, you know, Seattle has their take on whoever they want from the fourth line. I, I think, you know, protecting fourth liners, you know, it, it's the easiest position to replace yeah. on the hockey team. Obviously, they went after Brandon Tanev. Heck, if they actually protected Carter and Kapanen and, and um, McCann outside the big four, I still think they would have went after Brandon Tanev because it sounded like Ron Francis had really liked him um, when the list got released. I'm not really sure they would have taken Teddy Bluger or Zach Ax- Aston Reese. Excuse me. I mean, I would have taken Aston Reese because he's a really good player. But, you know, that's, you know, we're, we're not, we're, that's not going to happen, obviously, at this point. But, you know, that was, I think, the big head scratcher um you know sure they got philip hollander back because instantly becomes one of their best prospects and yes uh, anyone that follows the penguins knows this team does not have a good farm system that's the cost it comes with winning three stanley cups since 2009 i mean you take that any day of the week the banners will always fly forever 
Um, but yeah, I, I think that was obviously the big head scratcher. Other than that, um, you know, people aren't going to want to hear this again. I've been talking about this on my show a lot. You know, Seattle taking away Brandon Tanev and his contract is a blessing in disguise for the Penguins because it created the cap space necessary to go out and make a couple of moves that they did, would not have had the room for um, had he still been on the team. Because, you know, Ron Hextall doesn't sound like he wants to, you know, make a move for the sake of making a move. You know, a la Jim Rutherford, they are polar opposites of one another. He doesn't want to move a player for a draft pick, you know, no, I've been talking on the pod about maybe moving Mike Matheson, you know, Marcus Pedersen, though I prefer to keep a ladder over the former. But yeah, I mean, there's, but you know, I can only, for my team, only one real head scratching move. And that's, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that have made way more head scratching moves than that. So I'll be happy about with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Seattle is one of them. Uh, there, there are just, there's no shortage of teams that do things where you're like, okay. That's uh, that's a strange choice. So that uh, that was a nice little wrap up of uh, of the Penguins off season move so far. Tell you what, let's talk some wild and uh, some of the things that they've done in their off season. Our crossover edition of Locked On Wild and Locked On Penguins continues next. All right, guys. So before we do get to our next segment in this special crossover with Seth from Locked On Wild, we do have to touch on a couple of things. One of them being Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB. NBA, NHL, you know, all your UFC action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as their teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's been online, your online sportsbook experts with a promo code locked on. We also cannot forget about Stat Hero. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? But is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. They show you their lineups and they dare you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control. It's DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. You can go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of, everyone. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, excuse me, stathero.com slash locked on. Continuing our special Locked on Wild, Locked on Penguins crossover show. And uh, we will turn it to Minnesota Wild-related questions. So, Hunter, you have the floor. You can put me in the hot seat. I'm sure uh, probably want to get some sort of update on Kirill Kaprizov. Everybody seems to want to. But, uh, yeah, the floor is yours. Any wild questions you've got, hit me with them. We, we got to start with the obvious, Seth. You know, just the big news that, you know, the two franchise icons, uh, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, both bought out by the Wild. I was not surprised at Parise because I said this on my Twitter. I think he was kind of getting to the point where he's a bit washed, um, just yeah. was not the player that he used to be. 
um, all those years ago. And, you know, I keep thinking about this too, man, you know, the Penguins were a finalist for both of them. And, you know, I have no idea where the franchise would be today. If both of those players signed there, I don't think they would have those three Stanley cups. That's for sure. I don't think also Jim Rutherford would have taken over for the team. Had they not signed a lot of this franchise history would have been flipped upside down if Pittsburgh had gotten both of those, but you know, for Suter though, He's still a good player. He can play in both zones. I'm glad that, you know, Dallas is able to sign him to a, a good contract. But just, you know, what were your thoughts on Billy Garrett's big decision there to buy both of them out? And then um, cap-wise, that's going to be a big ticket in the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, as, as I've had time to digest this a lot and now see that, you know, Suter was a pretty sought-after commodity um, which indicates that uh, that teams at least view that he still has uh, some good years left. Um, in the end, it came down for me to Bill Guerin just wanted to basically have in front of him what it was going to, what the penalties were going to be for these contracts. He didn't sign Parisi or Suter to them, and there was just always this assumption with a 13-year contract that at some point you're going to have to clean up the mess because mm. it's just, it's not likely that players will last through the duration of that contract. And so I think Garen just decided he would rather deal with the buyout penalties and the additional salary cap space that that was going to eat up as opposed to the unknown. If in two years, Ryan Suter elects to retire and does not finish out the contract, then you're getting hit with that salary recapture nonsense that, uh, that just causes a nightmare and it, it ends up being substantially more than they um, would end up having to pay. And it, it would come at a surprising time where maybe they end up losing out on a free agent that they really wanted to sign. And so, yes, it's going to be a long process to get to the point where there's relief in sight um, the four years up until the point where they basically become minimum contracts are going to be tough, especially the last two, because you're basically you're carrying a what would equate to a very good level player at that salary. You're just carrying them on the books without them being there. So it's it's a huge risk. But at the end of the day, I think Bill Guerin just wanted to take that something that the wild know that they'll have to deal with uh, as opposed to the surprise factor. If one or both of them would have elected to retire, then I think it would have ended up being substantially more. So Garen just wanted to have the, uh, the concrete, like this is what we have to deal with uh, in front of him as opposed to some of the unknown variables. And, you know, at the end of the day ended up that uh, he just kind of, wanted to do this. And so as, uh, as with a lot of things during the Bill Guerin era, he just elected to do it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, immediately when I also saw it, you know, my mind did jump obviously to the Jack Eichel sleep stations because this saga is never ending. You have Eichel mad at the Sabres. The Sabres are like, well, you know, screw you. We're going to only trade you if we get the right value leads to a very weird divorce that is going to inevitably um, becoming and you know they have the cap space now and I, I I feel like Minnesota would have the package that the Sabres would want but 
I don't know if they could stomach that cap hit with all that cap recapture stuff and you know the buyouts with Parise and Suter really affecting them when Eichel is you know in the the prime of that contract even just halfway through and you know obviously on the ice it makes so much sense right you can put Caprice off with him that's a deadly first line that not a lot of teams are going to like to face against. Um, and we're going to get to the Kaprizov stuff uh, coming up in just a bit anyway, but um, it, it just, it makes so much sense, Seth. And um, it, 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 they, they keep going in, they keep going out. It seems like it. I honestly feel like that's a lot of what's going on with the Eichel sweepstakes just because Buffalo has been hard on their asking price and why not? You know, he's their franchise player. Yeah. They want to get a lot for him so they can really, get this rebuild going. I mean, they've been rebuilding for ever since I was 14 years old or something like that. Um, for those of you who are aware, I'm 23 now. So especially since I've been a freshman in high school, they have not made the playoffs. Um, it's just, you know, it's, what are your thoughts on the Eichel situation? And do you think Minnesota should p- potentially get back into the mix or does it not make sense for them at all? I think if Buffalo were to drop their asking price out of desperation and now the latest report in which his agents basically told, you know, basically have that statement to the media of like, look, Buffalo is basically trying to torpedo this. And um, and so we just want to go somewhere where, you know, Jack is valued and uh, he's able to, you know, play for a contender. And so... Making Buffalo look bad maybe will push them to the point of desperation to where they have to drop that uh, that asking price, which at this point is, you know, a like NHL ready player, bunch of top prospects mm-hmm. and picks, like just a mass of all of that. It's it's just it's too rich for me right now. And you add in the fact that you you would be taking on ten million dollars in salary you're obviously going to throw a player in to try to kind of even that out as much as possible. But especially in two years, that gets to be a very tough price to pay. And I think it's signaled as well. When Parisian Suter were bought out, Bill Guerin wants to give opportunities to Marco Rossi to try to show that he can be the top center on this team. Mm-hmm. And now because you know they're going to have to really watch their uh, their spending. He's going to get those opportunities over the next three four years to uh, to show whether or not he is uh, he's able to do that. And at the end of four years, when Parisian suitors buyouts are are minimal, um, if these prospects in the system, your Rossies, your Matt Boldy, some of those other guys, if they have not proven yet that they are capable of being stars at the NHL level, then that gives Garen some freedom to just blow it up and uh, mm-hmm. try to find a new nucleus. So I think we are probably out on the Eichel sweepstakes unless Buffalo drops the price, in which case it would not surprise me um, if Garen maybe takes another look at it. One interesting note that I did hear on this um on this note is that uh, I think it was Michael Russo that tweeted it. He said that uh, if the wild would acquire Eichel, they would give him the option of getting that, uh, that neck, that disc surgery that he is mm-hmm. apparently supposed to get. So 
I find that interesting as lot, well. There's a lot of ru- there's a lot of rumors with that surgery. I don't really. Yeah. No, I was listening to the Elliot Friedman the Thirty One Thoughts podcast with that, and that, that's a great listen for anyone that doesn't, you know, know what's going on with it. I mean, I I still hardly don't even know what's <laughs> going on with it. And I, I listened to that whole episode, and I was still so confused the entire time. But yeah, that, that surgery is going to play a huge role into where he goes. I think because what team is going to take him on knowing that he likely is going to get that surgery and who knows how long um, he's out for, which, you know, again, it just brings me to my next point, Seth, you know, what, what is the latest on this Kaprizov stuff? Is this KHL, you know, nonsense real, or is that just like a negotiating ploy where he just going to be like, okay, you know, if I'll wait to the last moment, then bolt there, even though I want to remain a Minnesota uh, part of the Minnesota wild, excuse me. It's, it's full out a negotiating ploy. I mean, I uh, I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, and we actually looked at what he could make in the KHL if he would go and play there, and it's something along the lines of like a million and a half dollars. So it does not make any sense for him to uh, to go back there. I mean, if he does, if he would try to come back to the uh, to the NHL. The Wild still have his rights. And so, really, it's the only play that his agent has. So, obviously, it's going to get used. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I think it's more so... I think the holdup more so is the Kevin Fiala contract because it sounds yeah. like the Wild want to go more of a short term and Fiala obviously wants... Fiala's at the age where he wants that long-term deal because he likes it here. He wants to stay here Um you know, for eight years, the wild want to go with a little bit of a shorter term with him. And so I think if they can get Fiala's contract, if they can get that ironed out, I think Kaprizov's will come shortly after that. I think it will be a short term deal with Kaprizov, but I think he will end up re-upping here. And then my long national nightmare can finally end not having (laughs) to deal with this anymore. Yeah. Trust me. If that, ever happened with Evgeny Malkin or something. And speaking of Gino, his contract is up next season. Um, I would definitely be a bit nervous. So I don't expect it to, because this is probably going to be the last contract he signs in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And then whatever he wants to do after that, I mean, he'll have earned his right. He wants to go home and play for a season in Russia with his family, you know, so be it. I, I think Ovechkin is probably going to do the same thing once his five year deal is up as well. You know, just switching, you know, probably before we do get to the next commercial break, switching to your free agency, you know, your team was pretty busy, you know, John Merrill, one-year contract. I like that signing. I think he's not terrible. Dmitry Kulikov probably didn't really understand that one just because he's not been, he's not good anymore. I don't feel like, um, obviously you took away Frederick Goudreau from the Penguins. I really like that signing for you guys. Um, great fourth line player down the stretch. Um, he was deserved the ice time. And I really thought the Penguins were going to bring him back. So I was a bit surprised to see them go with Evan Rodriguez and Dom Simone from Calgary um, over Freddie Goudreau. And then, you know, you also got another uh, former Penguin and Alex Goligoski who played with the team um, from 20, with, uh, in 2010 and also um, the season after that when they got James Neal from the Dallas Stars in, in exchange for him. So um, were you pleased – with the free agency signings, and what would you think was the best move they made in free agency? Um, yeah, I th- I thought free agency went as as well, considering what the Wild had um, 
at their disposal. I mean, the only player that it seemed like they really missed out on was uh, was Nick Foligno, who ended up going to Boston. Um, I oh. think, though, this was the, like, okay, this this is, so if you're doing one of those, like, readers, um, one of those learn, uh, books for dummies, it's like, so you didn't get Jack Eichel, or yeah. how to... How to navigate free agency if you don't trade for Jack Eichel for dummies. Like, that was kind of the approach that it felt like the Wild took. And not to say that it was, like, bad or anything. It just was very much, okay, so we lost Ryan Suter. Let's find somebody to plug that hole. And uh, they got Alex Goligoski. Uh, We ended up losing Nick Bonino. Let's find somebody to plug that hole. That ended up being uh, Freddie Goudreau. Uh, and they basically just went down the list and like, okay, this player's gone. Let's find somebody to plug there. So, you know, it's it's not like it was it was not a terrible off season. I just think, considering the resources they had, the Wild did what they could. And uh, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what Goligoski has in the tank. Very consistent defenseman, from what I've been told. Um, a, a guy who very much is like a Ryan Suter. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where he fits in because one of the biggest questions that uh, has popped up with Suter gone is what does that wild power play unit look like? Who takes some of those top power play minutes? Does it end up being a defenseman or does it end up being uh, another offensive player? So that's kind of a fun byproduct that I'm going to look at as we get a little closer to the season. So I would say best moves probably Goligoski. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what he brings to the table. I will say he does have experience running on the power play. I remember when he was in Pittsburgh. Um, this was uh, obviously he wasn't in the Penguins very long, but you know this was when Chris Letang was really starting to cement himself as the number one defenseman of the future. When he wasn't on the top power play. Um, with Gonchar, um, it would be Golagoski running the show on the second unit. So he has experience doing that. I know he also did it a bit in Arizona. Um, so I think that might be your guy unless they want to put, you know, Brodeen on there. I don't know how much experience he has. Or they want to do Dumba, who obviously just signed, and maybe they could do that um, as well. But I think probably your best option would be Golagoski because he does have – on the most experienced, but yeah, I mean, you know, Bill, Billy Garen's just been bringing in all these former penguins. I saw Ray Shiro was brought in as a senior advisor to him. Yeah. So he's really just uh, bringing in any former penguin or penguin player that he can, just because obviously he was with the organization so long, but you know, these are um, either good hockey men or good players from the organization that he knows very well. So um, I really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed the job that he has been doing. I remember I was so happy that he got the job because I knew he was ready. Um, I was hoping one day that he could be the Penguins general, general manager if Rutherford ever resigned. Obviously, it came a bit too late, and then Hextall is now running the show. But um, give any other thoughts on the offseason so far for your team? You know, just, you know, if, is, is there any move you think could still be made other than, you know, maybe the, the big extension, obviously, and then um, Jack Eichel? Yeah, I I think other than I think at this point it's just extension mode. Um, obviously, if the Wild have any other money left over, they will probably try to fill out some depth. But at this point, really, the only box left unchecked is Kaprizov and Fiala's extensions, and so 
I await those being put to paper with um, very, very much anticipation. But until we get there, it's just going to be kind of a waiting game. And so, you know, that's what I get to do the rest of the offseason. You know, you just – I mean, I have no extensions really to worry about now, man. Zach Astrom is just be signed for a one-year contract, $1.8 million for the season. He's probably gone next year if he produces what he did this past year and with the def- his defensive impacts. I could see him getting upwards of $3 million a year for um, – and, you know, pe- some, a lot of people won't pay that just because he's a well, he's a fourth line or whatever. But, you know, he's this is a really good player that um, could potentially be leaving the Penguins after next year. The only extensions that I guess could happen – are for Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. I think Ron Hextall said they want to start having those discussions this month. So anytime now, they could be heating up discussions with those two uh, franchise cornerstones. Um, the goalie stuff, you know, they're probably going to walk into the season with both of them. And if they both stink by the time December rolls around, um, that's probably when they'll make their move. But um, I think coming up in the next segment, we'll do some expectations for the season. So um, stick around for that. Finally, before we do end today's show, we have to touch on Bilt Bar, which has many delicious flavors. There is something for everyone when you talk to a Bilt Bar fan. They're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the flavors well, you are missing out with Cookies and Cream, which is my personal favorite, German chocolate, orange, strawberry, salted caramel, etc. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Um, they, most of them have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. You can go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Final segment of our Locked on Wild, Locked on Penguins crossover episode. And Hunter, I figured we would finish today's show by looking at some expectations for both of our teams uh, with where they are penciled in back to the normal division and conference setup after um, doing the COVID year for uh, a year. Uh, And so now we're back to normal. So let's look first at the uh, the Penguins in the Metropolitan Division and Eastern Conference. Where do you think Pittsburgh slots in, uh, both in the division and in the conference? Yeah, so division-wise, I think they're going to be in the running to win it next season. I think they're still a better team than the Rangers, who obviously have had quite a lot of action this summer, probably not for the better um, of their core and for, for obviously they want to make a playoff push. Um, the Flyers made a lot of moves as well. Don't think they're better than Pittsburgh. Obviously, Columbus is not going to be that good. New Jersey's made a couple of nice moves, but I think they're going to still be not – they'll be better next year, but not as good. But, you know, you you have the 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 big teams at the top. Carolina's going to be back. They're going to be really freaking good. Washington is still a player. Obviously, you have the Penguins. And, yes, the New York Islanders who have come – within a game or two the last couple of years of going to their first Stanley Cup final since the 80s. Um, they will be back there as Barry Trotz is one hell of a coach. Anders Lee is there and their goalies will be back as well. So they will be a very tough out. I think it's those four teams that you will see um, in the playoffs next year. I think, honestly, outside of Carolina, I would have Pittsburgh at two in the Metro. I mean, people forget the Penguins won the East Division this past year arguably the toughest division in hockey with both those goaltenders and a very deep lineup. I would not be surprised if they won it 
again, hopefully with less injuries just because the Penguins were top five in man games lost all year. Conference-wise, I would probably put them below Tampa Bay, um, Carolina, Boston, and maybe that's it. I think I would have them as the fourth or fifth best team in the conference, but it's really close. You know, the East is always so loaded. Toronto is up there as well. Flor- of course, I can't even forget forget about the Panthers. They're right. They, they, I mean, they're they're four to five. I think right there with the Penguins. Do they really impress me this past season? So I think that four to five to six range conference wise is where I would have Pittsburgh. I definitely think they're a top three team in the Metropolitan. Um, as of today, there's obviously still a lot more uh, time left in the off season. Um, do I think they're worse right now than where they were um, at the end of this past season? I think I would say yes, just because those two new forward moves that they made were just lateral at best. The goaltending is still very inconsistent. I don't know what they're going to do on defense. I mean, I guess they'll slot in Chad Ruedel as a number six spot, but are you going to move a left-handed D for forward help? Are you going to get just some salary cap space? Are you going to put Malkin on LTIR and go full Nikita Kucherov on that? Probably not, just because of you know, the, the, the hysteria that it caused with the Lightning and you know, it was legal, but I mean, I don't think Malkin's injury is going to be as serious as that. But um, I still have them as a top team, not only a division, but the conference next season as well. Um, just, you know, flipping it back to you with the Wild, obviously they made the playoffs this season going back to the Central. But with the Central, it's and that's an interesting one. It's obviously a lot more competitive than the, the Pacific. That division is a joke, I think, at this Ugh. point. I mean, Chicago is there, but. I don't really know how good they're going to be. Colorado, obviously, I think is the team to beat. Wait, I think, yeah, I, I, almost, I almost mistaken them in the Pacific just because they were there. <laughs> it's actually, it's, again, it's going to take so much time getting used to the, uh, back to the usual alignment, excuse me. But, you know, you got Colorado, you got St. Louis, which I think is still a good team. Uh, Minnesota's right up there. Dallas is going to be really good. Um, I would have them right in the thick of those four, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I would have it as well. I'm I'm really interested to see what Chicago looks like. Um if all of their youth um figures it out, puts it together, I think that's going to be a real dangerous team. Um if not though, and if they get like if they get a regression from Marc Andre Fleury, who you just assume at some point it's going to happen, um, but yet it never has. If if they don't get that same flurry that Vegas had down the stretch, that could be a mm-hmm. huge problem for them. Um, I mean, Colorado is the uh, the toast of the Central, but you know they've they're going to be a different looking team as a lot of those top tier teams have to deal with in losing just a ton of their depth because they don't have the cap space to sign up. And Grubauer left, so they got Darcy Kemper in nets. How much of a hit do they take there? Um, Colorado's going to be a very good team, but I think it's going to be a different-looking team than we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, Nashville was plucky uh, in getting to the playoffs this past season. Can they carry some of that with them uh, back into the Central? Yeah, I would say at this point, I'd put the Wild probably fourth or fifth um, in the uh, the central division at this point, but as you alluded to, the Pacific is a mess. 
the Vegas Golden Knights may have that division wrapped up by the All-Star break. I, I mean, you've got you've got Anaheim. Or, or by now. Or well, by now. Yeah, they... <laughs> Like honestly, it's it's a disaster. You've got Anaheim, you've got San Jose, you've got the Kings, you've got whatever okay, Edmonton is trying to do. The, 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 the King, the Kings might be a bit better this year. I'll say that, but yeah, you have Anaheim, San Jose. Those two will give you Arizona is probably going to be the new Los Angeles of the last couple of years. They'll be bad. Yeah, like they're just so. Let's let's say the Wild take. I'll just put the Wild at fifth. Just, you know, make me commit to a spot. I'll say the Wild end up fifth in the Central, but here's the crazy thing. I still think, based on what is going on in the Pacific Division, that the Wild, even if they're fifth in the Central, I think they could still find themselves right in the mix for one of those playoff spots, one of those final two playoff spots in the West. Because Vegas is going to win the division, Beyond that, I have no earthly idea who else. I mean, Calgary, question mark. Seattle, question mark. Vancouver, question mark. Edmonton, question mark. Um, yeah, that division's going to be just just a nightmare. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the Wild end up fourth or fifth in the Central and still end up making the playoffs because they're not going to send extra teams from the Pacific. Yeah, I mean, remember, everyone, half the league makes the playoffs. I'd be kind of surprised if Minnesota was not in that upper half. And actually, I'm remembering, I think Arizona is moving to the central yes. this season now that I think about it. So my mistake on that, because Seattle is going to be taking their place. So, you know, you have, and then Winnipeg, I think, is also in the central this season. I, yes. I, I'm just, yep. yeah, yeah. So you have, there's a lot of bad teams in that division as well. So again, I, I think Minnesota will be in there. I mean, heck, they almost challenged for uh, second place in the West Division this year with, with Vegas and Colorado. I mean, they, they, they went down to the very end um, with both of those teams. Obviously, you know, Colorado pulled away towards the late stages, but, you know, Vegas, it was it was tough as nails with them, with home ice. So, I mean, I think I would be pretty surprised if they didn't get in. I'd like to see more of Kirill Kaprizov in the playoffs. He's going to be ridiculous as he just keeps getting um, older and older and just now into his peak years now at least yeah. because he's so young and um, I have a blast watching him. I love what Kevin Fiala um, has been able to do um, just, you know, coming from Nashville, not really doing too much there. And then all of a sudden he just becomes this half a point per game player, even more with the wild. And it just came out of nowhere again, always loved the defense with Spurgeon and Brodeen and Dumba and, you know, suit obviously when he was there, but, you know, they just always had those big three and it's just, you know, good luck getting a lot of quality chances on them because they were just great um, at, you know, preventing chances, you know, with zone injuries and all that. But um, unless you have anything else, Seth, for next season, um, just fire away. No, I think that uh, I think that's a good spot to uh, to leave it for this episode. Uh, good look at both teams heading into the season. Um, Hunter, since you this is the first time you've hopped on with Lockdown Wild, just give the listeners where they can follow you on Twitter and uh, and a plug for Lockdown Penguins as well. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter um, at Hunter Hodes. The last name is H O D 
IES. You know, I also have the verified check mark as all locked on hosts do. Lucky now, basically. Oh no, Seth is Seth's not quite there yet. <laughs> but now he he will give it a, maybe about a week, uh, I think, yeah. or maybe even tomorrow. You know, I think he'll he'll get verified um, at some point. But anyways, you know, the show's Twitter is at lo underscore penguins, and you can find all your penguins coverage there. As though we're just gonna keep chugging through the off season, providing content for you all. And, you know, sooner or later, training camp will be here and we'll be starting the new season. Thank goodness for that. And, of course, you can follow Locked on Wild wherever you listen to podcasts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as well. And you can follow your fearless leader, Seth Topol, at Seth Topes on Twitter. That wraps it up for the special crossover edition of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins. You can find new episodes all off-season long as part of the Locked on Podcast Network.